Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dynamic Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Pack, spiritual medium, author, and joy advocate, leading you into all things life transformational. And this series is Unmuted Voices. And I am interviewing people that have uh, realized that their voice was muted throughout life. And I'm not just talking about a physical voice. I'm talking about how we express life, living small, living with un, uh, with such limiting beliefs that hold us down, that don't let us really express the joy and love of who we are. And then they've had aha moments or maybe a culmination of moments over the years that have brought them to the place of unmuting their voice and speaking their truth, living their truth, expressing the joy of who they are in the world. And today my guest is Kathleen Troy, and I am so happy to have you, Kathleen. Good morning. I'm so happy to have to be here, to be invited. Thank you. I am so glad you're here because we have so much to talk about, and I want to just jump right in. So when did you realize it was really unsafe to speak your truth, to have a voice in the world or express who you really are. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, as, as I've said, at the different layers have come up since I had this uh, podcast presented to me. And I do go back to as a little girl, I was told all the time to shush. My dad worked in third shift. So I came out of the womb thinking I was too loud. I just oh. my mom was forever shushing us because we lived in a tiny little house and my dad needed sleep. So I didn't speak for, I was delayed. Like it wasn't safe to speak from the beginning, I would say. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I was told to be quiet quite a bit because I was a bubbly little kid, you know, so wanting to chatter and bounce and do all those things. And uh, yeah, I would imagine that would be really difficult having a dad sleeping during the day when you're ready to play. Right. Or even just do more than a squeak. And I was, I thought I was a horse, so I had to gallop everywhere, oh. which was equally loud. So all everything that appealed to me was loud in the little tiny house where the China would shake. And <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. So the, what were, some of the indoctrinated beliefs it's it's you know when we talk when i talk a lot on my podcast about <clears throat> our beliefs you know they can come from religious beliefs they can come from families you know we only do this a certain way or and and you'd get in trouble if you veered off the path or your society or culture um any any indoctrinated beliefs that limited you even after that, like what, how did you live your life after that? You know, when you were shush, but you're going to school now, or you're getting ready to go to college or whatever. How did that? So, oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to pay you for a therapy session after. <laughs> I, I want to qualify this, what I'm about to say with much of this has been healed and the relationships I'm about to describe have evolved right? Like my parents became amazing at parents as adult of adult children. Mm -hmm. At a young age, there was a messaging 
an, an unspoken and spoken, my dad felt that his life was interrupted. All of his goals and dreams were interrupted because he accidentally had a family. So, yeah. And so without, with, with respect to them, I won't go too deep into that, but they, he didn't mean to get married and have a baby so fast. And then that was my sister. And then a second baby was soon to follow. And so the messaging was always that I was a mistake. Like, this is one thing I'd love to do for children in the world, for parents. I don't care how you got pregnant. No child's a mistake and no child's an accident. Mm -hmm. um, they are gifts from God. It, it's a messaging that I don't think parents hear themselves. They think it's part of their funny story. Um, so I needed to not take up space, not be expensive, not cause trouble. Oh, and I was, if, and my dad was very athletic and my, he really would have enjoyed a boy. He had two girls. Mm -hmm. so my sister who loves me dearly, we're wonderful now, never stopped reminding me that I surely was supposed to be the boy because they already had a girl. So, so I don't know where to unpack <laughs> how many indoctrinations there were. Then we were Catholic. So everything, you know, the, the, yeah. as a human, you're born to suffer. Yes. And sin. And I wanted to be pious. I was born a pious spirit. Oh my gosh. So I don't know. <laughs> so you, the rest of that question was, when did it start to un, unfold, right? Like when did that story stop? Yes. It, yeah. Or, or even just expound a little bit on how muting your voice affected your life, your decisions, your you know, maybe how you lived your life, whether it was, you know, health issues or, I mean, for me, mine was, it created a lot of health issues. Um, and, um, but in your relationships, you know, you know, coming along before you actually found your voice, what effect did it have, you know, detrimental things did that muting of your voice have in your life? Because I can re totally relate to your, uh, you should have been a boy issue because my parents um, didn't have children for about seven years. And then boom, they had identical twin girls. Well, a couple years later, here comes the third one. And, you know, they, they kept thinking, Oh, well we have our two girls. Surely this one's going to be a boy. They went to the hospital with boy names and no girl names. It took them three days to try to decide what my name was going to be because they couldn't come up with a girl name. So I, I definitely hear that and feel that. Yeah. I was supposed to be the boy. Yeah. And well, I was a very good tomboy. I will say. I was too. You know what? I, we, my yeah. sister and I did our best to play the role, right? Mm -hmm. Like she rode a motorcycle with my dad and, but we were not athletic. Like I cannot. Yes. So I can't help my my poor dad. <laughs> he tried to get us to run track and play basketball. And we were tall, so the coaches always wanted us to play basketball. And oh my gosh, I was lucky to not twist my ankles when I ran. So, but yeah, the I was always out in the woods, like playing and tomboy, and I loved it. Uh, so yeah, so it informed my future in that I wanted to be then the best student. I went off to engineering school, quite honestly, to impress my father. I wanted to, I wanted to be proud. And engineering was not, the, so I was still very shy. 
So I made decisions based on I'm good at math and science. I didn't think I was very good at anything else. Well, I was good in my school. I wasn't great out in the world. But that's where I rebooted. I went, you know what? Because when you're a shy person, that is your identity back in our day. So people would introduce me as my friend, Kathleen. She's shy, but once you get to know her, like it was the identity, right? So I had to live up to, and even I can remember people asking me to repeat what I said because I whispered, am I getting really sick and tired of, of, of repeating myself, of people not hearing me? I can remember mm -hmm. that feeling of, oh, I'm going to do it louder next time. I, the gift that it was is I learned to be an observer and I am the memory keeper of our family. Because when you're sitting back and observing and mm -hmm. actually listening, I lost that skill. Once I found my voice, I, I don't think I listened as well. So I'm coming full circle back to letting other people talk. Because once it was unleashed, Marianne, it was unleashed. <laughs> The voice unleashed. So when I went to engineering school, I wasn't excelling, but I was cutting hair in the dorms. Because I thought, why not? Like yeah. I learned I, my friend's hair and like how hard could this be? So I had this huge clientele growing in the store stairwell at my dorm. And it was a barter system. And I and I that one-on-one -on -one meeting straight, that is when I found my voice and learned that I like I couldn't it just that and then I didn't want to study anymore. So that didn't that tanked. So two years later I had to leave engineering school. <laughs> Which in in my in service of me. So I became a cosmetologist. I went to cosmetology school thinking at least this is something I seem to know how to do until I figure out what I want to do. Right. And that is where I gained traction. You know, I, I followed my sister to New York City and I had to prove myself in that upper echelon, well-educated, well-groomed elite society, which I had been very suspicious of. I'd been raised to believe if people have money, they must have tricked somebody. This was my yeah. dad. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. It, it, that, that whole, if you're not suffering, you must you know, be causing suffering. So I was, I did not understand that you did not have to choose suffering. <laughs> you could choose joy. <laughs> I did not understand. Nobody told no, I never got that memo. Like, I thought you, I'm going to say it. I thought people who suffered with the world were superior. Yes. I mm -hmm. thought suffering was a superior trait. Yeah. Yeah. And so and sacrificing and of course, oh. keep yourself down. So, <clears throat> you know, we had the idea that if we keep ourselves small or beat us down or, you know, it's the sacrifice or suffering that, you know, then we get some eternal reward or, you know, that's, that's the good work in the world rather than, you know, we, we're thinking that that raises other people or whatever when it's not. It's we all have to raise together. You know, we can't be on these different levels. So, right. Well, and then it took me till truly uh, my coaching program where we did an exercise about healthy priorities. And really, it's, it's healthiest if self is at top, right? Okay, in this scenario. And self for me was at the bottom of the list. Oh, absolutely. And they said, you know, that. And, and they didn't say it directly to me. Anyone who is self at the bottom is a martyr. Mm -hmm. I'm so angry. 
It's like, I'm not a martyr, but Marianne, I was. <laughs> so, so that's recent. That's in the last five years that I really had my epiphany. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to add. Yeah, and, and that's that's talking about self at the bottom. When I was a child going through church, they taught us that joy meant Jesus, others, yourself. So you're never, you're never to be first, you know. Right, that's the other indoctrination. I was first, others are second, and you're at the very bottom. So that's what I learned. Um, that my voice didn't matter. My wants, needs, desires, anything like that didn't matter because I couldn't have that above anyone else. You never heard, I was at the bottom. You never heard fill your cup oh, or no. put on your oxygen mask first. We never heard that. We heard if you were at the top, you're a, an evil, narcissistic sociopath. Mm -hmm. Period. Selfish. <laughs> you were, yeah, you said egotistical you were greedy, you were all oh, yeah. those messages, all those messages. And it, and you know, they weren't just subtle messages. I mean, they were out there. They were a bold statement of what we were supposed to learn. And that's, we were indoctrinated into that. So when did you start actually awakening to the fact that you needed to express your voice, you needed to live differently um, and put yourself on top. Well, meanwhile, just just the, the healing had begun in layers, like layers of onion before five years ago. So I would go to what they call landmark education. And mm -hmm. that was an epiphany of it's really the basis of a lot of coaching practices. And, and it was confusing. Law of attraction was confusing to me. It didn't go along with what I understood. I went to Tony Robbins and walked on fire coals, I took my girls for the graduation. Do you know? So there were things I was doing right and I was exploring, studying. I had released the belief that I that anything that is not Christian based is not okay. So it started practicing, you know, with Kabbalah and Reiki. Oh. All of that helped. But I am gonna say the real epiphany for me. So a side note. I always had a scarcity story too. Yes. It never mattered how much money I earned. It would not be enough. It didn't matter. There was no number. I do this in my coaching with people too. There's scarcity. When will it be enough? And you know, for people in scarcity, it's not like uh, those are $10 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, so I sorted a lot of this out after the kids grew up. In the shutdown of the pandemic, where everything was stripped away that I knew, my I couldn't. So I'm still part-time hair colorist, part-time transformational coach. Mm -hmm. And so salon washed away. That has always been my hook of how I provide. Um, everything became blurs day for people. I kept this schedule, but I found out that we have enough. And my husband and I got to play like children. We went on walks every day. We planned a different park every day at four o'clock and we'd go explore. And when we talked about being tomboys, Marianne, mm -hmm. I got to be my child exploring nature with my husband, unfettered. And that is when I went, we, we, are enough, we have enough, we have this home. It, it was, that was such a gift in my life. Mm -hmm. 
and I didn't have to make myself wrong for experiencing days of joy. There was fear. I mean, I'm not pretending that I wasn't aware of what was going on in the world. Mm -hmm. I was able to understand fully that you can be mindful and compassionate of the suffering and adding to it with your own is not adding any good energy to the, no, it's a S H I T stirrer mm -hmm. added to the drama of fear. It wasn't going to heal anyone. Mm -mm. That's when I got the practice of a daily practice of joy. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, when we, there's so many times that, you know, we get bogged down with seeing all that's going around in the world that we don't like, that we want an improvement on, but we stay focused on, but this problem, but this problem, rather than looking for the solution and raising the vibration of the planet. Um, because I, I love how Abraham Hicks, my mentor, always talks about, you know, you can't get sick enough to make somebody else well. Exactly. Poor enough to make somebody else wealthy. You're not taking your portion of the pie. The pie expands exponentially as people are asking for improvement. So we have to get into the spirit of joy, into that attitude of joy and appreciation and love to make the effect that we want to actually spread the, the reverberation of that higher vibration throughout the world. Uh, because energy knows no bounds. Spirit knows no bounds. So if we're still, yes, we acknowledge there is there are issues out there in the world, but we don't have to live and wallow around in it. We're the ones standing aside from it that can help raise the vibration to change that to ask for the improvement. So I to be the light bearers. And, and oh, side note, I always had to be aware politically. I really felt we it was our responsibility to know what's going on in the world. And so I could have, and this is up till recently, deep conversations with everybody in my salon chair. You're not to talk about religion and politics, but those were always my favorite topics. So, okay. So yeah, I did all taboo because I am basically a rebel, mm -hmm. um, but I also was able to step back. I call that shut down the extraordinary pause. And, um, and Elizabeth Hill had us all write a book, uh, write a collaborative, the great pause. Mm -hmm. um, and so many people found their celebration in that time, but I now do not also think I'm superior if I know what's going on politically. I've, I've broken that too. So now people that I was always embroiled in political conversations with in my chair, I'm changing that. I'm not, because they also need a break from it. My, I, I, <laughs> I'm sure my employer is so relieved. <laughs> I just drew confessions with Marianne Pack this morning. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to pull it out of you. <laughs> but even that, I know I was adding to the drama. It wasn't. Yeah. Wailing and complaining no. moves not an, not a shred of anything no. forward. 
No, it actually compounds because complaining is complaining. It doesn't matter what you're complaining about. If you're doing that, the energy of complaining is attracting more of that, more of the same, more of the same. So you're going to experience more things to complain about. I know that was definitely the way I created so much sickness in my body because I complained about everything because everything had to be wrong uh, because of my belief system. Well, they're all doing it wrong and we're the only ones doing it right. And, you know, just complaining. And my body was listening. Of course. When I started shifting my mindset, looking for what was going right and stopped watching the news so consistently. Now I just catch snippets of it. Right. You know, when I think something might be important, you know, my husband and I talk about it, I'll ask him, you know, what's this going on? And, and you know, so I'll, I'll look something up. But other than that, I try to stay away from it because it's not filling my cup. No. And if my cup isn't full, I have nothing to serve with. Because I teach that our cup, our teacup, has to be overflowing into the saucer. The saucer is what serves others. If that saucer is empty and you start taking from your reserves, you're, you know, you're then, then you're in a detrimental situation for yourself and others. So until you refill the cup and it flows into the saucer, then you have something to serve from. Well, how many times? Yes. Um, I, can remember years ago. Oh, by the way, for, I attracted drama because that is salon world, right? So I oh. must have gotten a hook from drama. Right. No doubt. Um, I kept thinking they're all so dramatic. But I had, I think, oh my gosh, all my friends have so many problems. I'm so lucky to be healthy for them. But I just needed them to need me. Mm-hmm. To your point, like it wasn't addressing my own. Yes. I wasn't addressing my own stuff. And I was letting their dramas fuel my need for drama. Right. By proxy. And and like you say about health, health and wellness, health adds drama, right? It's a drama. Mm-hmm. There's you know, these dramas that are I I know you love Abraham Hicks too. And two things. I wonder if you ever noticed when I go to YouTube to just find a message, mm-hmm. it's always the right one for the day. The one that pops up is, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. I just love when that happens. <laughs> That's a daily practice of mine too. But the, the, to really, the, what I really got law of attraction was I used to say in the salon, oh my gosh, that crazy, if it's a crazy client who walks in the chair, in the salon, they're going to end up in my chair. I get all the crazies. Oh, guess what? I had the most neurotic, most challenging, impossible people. So of course I was exhausted and that's how my sickness showed up. It not necessarily physical, but emotional. Like, right. And then I realized, but wait a minute. I have all the wonderful ones too. Why do I keep only noticing? Mm-hmm. I have such wonderful clients. I have the best clients in the salon. I, let me start noticing that. And I started noticing that. And you know what? That's what I have now. I only have phenomenal people. And I attract phenomenal coaching clients. Mm. People I learn so much from that I love serving and receiving. So 
Oh, for anyone who's who's noticed any kind of language like that, I, I invite them to try the opposite. And it's it's gonna be possibly their first foray into specific law of attraction. Yes. Give or take. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, because if you have a mindset that's that split energy, you're gonna get some of both instead of primarily what your dominant thoughts are, what your dominant feeling is. Uh, that's your your vibrational message out as a request for more of the same. So yeah, with you kind of flipping that that messaging that oh I have the best clients, you know that's what the universe is feeling and is wanting to match you with. So how did you shift? How did you start shifting these beliefs? How did you start healing through them and say? that's no longer for me. That's not applicable. This, this is the direction I'm going. This is what I want to believe now. I looked for support. I, yes, I would say that is when I thought I had to do everything solo that I had, yeah, I was married. I had kids, but thinking I had a solo journey in this or that you can't tell the truth because you're so ashamed of so many of the thoughts that it was, it was, Shaming. So by the way, I love how vulnerable I credit Oprah with the change to vulnerability in a open forum. Mm -hmm. I think Oprah Winfrey did a lot to change our culture. Yeah. Prior to that, I was very attracted to hearing people's most embarrassing moments because those were the vulnerable things, right? That's what, that was the thing we could talk about and be vulnerable back in the day. Youngins today can't imagine that they couldn't just share every thought. <laughs> they can't imagine that. But we, but you could share your embarrassing moment and make someone laugh, right? Yes. Um, so I would say it. the culture shifted. I don't want to ignore that. Mm -hmm. And I started attracting people who shared the truth about their feelings. And I started to feel less alone. So I would call it baby steps, baby steps. I started to attract people who were authentically themselves and role modeled for me that I could be too. Yes, yes, yes. That would be my answer. And then I started joining women's groups. I used to be afraid of women, even though I was, I, the hair yeah. changed that, but I used to prefer men because I thought women were just kind of catty and biting and didn't, not sincerely in your corner. I, maybe I made that happen, right? I maybe created that or maybe there was one. So I decided they all were. Um, but I shifted that. So now I have powerful sisterhood yes. where I'm safe to be me. And in Kabbalah and in doing meditations and doing ancestral healing and going to mediums and doing all the taboo things, um, I got safe. I felt safer. Yeah. Can I share one more thing? Absolutely. We uh, love sharing. Part of this is, I think I, when I... I could not bear him other people tease other people or like mm -hmm. when I started standing for others, it allowed me to stand for myself. So it was much easier to champion for an underdog in my world yeah. than it was for myself. But that was the that was the foray in. Yes. And the other thing that started happening when we talk about fear, because fear is the suffering, right? Once some really rough things happen in my life and we survived them, I think that like our, we had a house fire that had always been a huge fear of mine. 
we ended up living in a motel in different people's homes for months. So and I'd say to my little girls, they were in kindergarten and third grade. We're not homeless. We're without a home. There's a difference. Right. right. We're not. So, and my husband was such a captain of the ship in that. I'm married to a Buddha man that I couldn't appreciate because I couldn't hear him, but he's like Buddha. So when we had this house fire back, Sophia was five, Jamila was eight. Um, I said, oh, I feel so sorry for our kids. This is so traumatic. He said, oh, I don't. God has given us an opportunity to role model how to handle challenges. Aren't we lucky? Our kids are going to learn so much in this. And I was like, Right. I've been married to this truth seeker and teller my whole life. So I appreciate him now. And then Sophia became very ill over time with a few different things. And we almost lost her. My youngest um, had got, had type one diabetes soon after that fire. And then had, I won't go into all of her help, but we nearly lost her at one point. And wow, does that... <laughs> changes everything yes i'm so grateful now and I'm, yeah. I'm so aware of how brave she she chose life she chose to get better and uh <laughs> again it's that example like your husband was talking about you know look what they'll look what they can learn from this look what they can grow from this yeah this could be a blessing just because it's a contrast that we don't like or don't want. We can look toward what the solution or the improvement or what we really do want. It helps us choose those. It helped your children to be able to choose the best out of life. Yes. And, but you had to be the example to, to guide them in that, I think too, so yeah. that they felt safe and secure. Absolutely. And my older, I'm so sorry, but my older daughter too, later on, um, dismantled a, a, a marriage, a relationship marriage that was not healthy. And I'm so grateful. Like, you're right. Like they did. I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. I, I'm an interrupter. You just, I wish you could stand on my toe. <laughs> not at all. Don't you worry about it. So I always say our mess is our message. So how now are you using unmuting your voice? Because you've talked about how you're starting to unmute your voice and how that healing came about. Give hope to someone who's listening that they too can unmute their voice. So, so how are you using it now? That unmuted voice. Sure. Uh, I'm happy to say that I, I do. Yes. Thank you. And I also just want to say about my kids during that period of time when we were in a motel, tiny little motel, they remember that as the best memory of their childhood. So I would say to people, those things that feel like a challenge, especially as a family, you know, you get to be the captain of the ship. Yeah. Um, and so how do I unmute now? I, I think you'll appreciate this. I help, I support my clients in finding the joy. So at the end of every session, we talk about what was joyful this week. Oh. And I've started a joy jar. I think you know about my joy jar. Yes. But I've also, I have one young man in particular who is just really intense. And I invited him to do a joy jar. And he's like, can you, you know, like, I said, well, do you mind if I do a joy jar for you? And oh. <laughs> so every week I add to his joy jar. <laughs> so 
talks about on his you you add the joy that he's celebrating for him in his joy jar from from his coaching call that would be a little bit caretaking i hear it but at the end of the year he's going to see all the joy he had (laughs) so i admit so yes I remember how annoying it could sound when I couldn't embrace it. So I generally, you know, support people where they are, mm-hmm. but we've known each other a long time. He and I, and he wants, like, I know this is what he has expressed that he, and it's working by the way, it's working. Um, so I do, I support people. So here's something that's really important to me. You know, I do the Cotty Wample mm-hmm. uh, society first Monday of the month. There's a, a thing in our culture that everything we're up to, we need to make money at it. And I'm a, I believe in money. I also love living in a world where we exchange energy, where your energy is your currency and my energy is my currency. Mm-hmm. And I stopped waiting for that to happen and created it. So I have that Katiwampo Society coming up this coming Monday, the first Monday of the month. Mm-hmm. And I love the energy that is exchanged when money's not in the way. I love that. And in coaching, I always take on one to two pro bono clients because I don't want the joy of coaching to only be available if people. Did I spell that right? Yes, you did. Hottie Wample Society. I have been in this society with her for the last hmm, maybe three months. And it is so good. So contact contact Kathleen and get into this Cotty Wumple Society. Thank you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you so much. And so I would say what is messy is I share with my clients. No, I don't go on about it. My biases, like how I broke up my bias. Like what's the mess? It's help supporting people to expand their bandwidth as people have supported me. So mm-hmm. sometimes I share things that people might go, oh my gosh, but I recognize that was the role modeling that supported me. Right. Right. And so I want people to feel safe to tell me the truth, no matter how messy they're just, it's just, I love them. Any, I love them. Yes. I love people. They're the big charger. The secret is is out. She loves people. People. But I love how you hold, even in this Cotty Wampo Society, Kathleen holds the space for us to feel safe enough to be vulnerable and to talk about our vulnerabilities and those things maybe we're ashamed of or that we're struggling with or whatever. Because then the energy, the healing energy that is in that group, because everyone is supportive and everyone is engaged. Um, I mean, I was very impressed when I, when I visited with this group, um, because I thought, oh my gosh, people are really talking about joy in groups, men and women. So I was, I was thrilled. I was so inspired and, and, um, uplifted, you know, to be able to be in, in that group and share and, and receive. It's also receiving. I'm so glad. Thank you. Because joy is a currency and we're not always safe to share. Like I said, in this world, we've been told that if you're not suffering with everyone, so here's a one hour and you know, too, and thank you so much. You bring so much love and energy. Talk about energy currency. You are just like <laughs> the big bank. You're the <laughs> universe.
universal bank of beautiful energy. So thank you for your support. Absolutely. And yeah, I even, and it's there for people who are wobbly in the practice, right? Just for one hour, do it for one hour and expand it on your own, right? It's just, so yeah. thank you for getting me. I just, you got me and I got you from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Well, and the thing is, you know, I already even, um, you know, one of the ladies that, that I've touched base with outside of Cuddywumple. You know, so it, there's people that you're going to find that you're going to resonate with that you're you're drawn to. And that's what I, I love, you know, being in groups like that. They're that sharing the joy and love and and support and, and that non-judgmental area that that um, you don't have to be fearful about admitting, oh, I've got I've got some struggles. You know, this is this is where we do it amongst this loving group. Um, Thank you. So how do people work with you right now? I know this is Kathleen's uh, coaching website, secondspringcoaching.com. So, and it's also in the show notes, folks. So it's there for your convenience to contact her. So what else can you tell us about um, uh, your coaching process? Well, I really do this mostly on Tuesdays and Fridays, but if someone says I'm only off on Saturday, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. make it happen. Just, I'm like Gumby. Remember Gumby, the stretch. <laughs> uh, and I like to start with a discovery session for one big reason. I have noticed how many people have a friend who's a coach, a sister who's a coach. Uh, they all know a coach, but they've never had a coaching session. So they're not really mm -hmm. sure yes. what to expect. So I just, there's never a waste of time. Nobody's ever said they did not enjoy the hour. It doesn't, oh, I'm not, it's, you're not hooked. I'm not going to torture yeah. someone to hire me. It either fits or it doesn't. I right. I'm totally available. And it may not be for you. It may be for your sister and or brother. I tend mm -hmm. to work with men, but I love to coach women too. Mm -hmm. But one hour. And then people glean something for themselves. And here's what, here's what I get from that energy exchange. Yes, it's complimentary, but as I probably said to you, when I coach an hour or three years, it always, it always reinforces my belief in humanity. Yeah. It always restores my faith yeah. every time. <laughs> and I like to think it does for them as well. Yes. Oh, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. We are out of time. And um, I just I so appreciate you, Kathleen. I appreciate your spirit, your aura, your your love for humanity, uh, love for people, because you let that out of the bag. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for the beauty and joy you're bringing to the world. Thank oh, you. I appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for being with us today on the podcast. and. Um, I want to offer that you can find out more about this anthology that is coming up that is a culmination of all of these Unmuted Voices podcast series at wearejoybooks.com. And um, as always, we love you. We appreciate you. Do you have one more word of uh, encouragement for everybody? Oh, do I? Yes. Oh, yes. Seize the day. Ooh. Oh my gosh, this is this is not a dress rehearsal. <laughs> I love it. 
And remember, you are joy, looking for a way to express. So unmute your voice and live that joyous expression in the world. We'll see you next time.